Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm feeling sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, all new episodes for 2023, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Today is a February book release episode with some amazing creatives who are all celebrating a February book release. Look out for an episode each month if I manage to find the time highlighting the best monthly releases, like my disclaimer there, just in case I forget one month. Um, So first up, We've got so many people here. I'm going to introduce them kind of one by one. So there's a little bit of mystery and you have to stay to the end. So first of all, welcome, repeat guests. Most of these people are repeat guests except for one. So we'll, we'll flag that too. Welcome Nathan Luff, author of Bad Grammar and Chicken Stew and Chris Kennett, illustrator of School of Monsters with the new release, Nerd Herd Kitty Litter, book five of the Nerd Herd series published by Scholastic. Welcome back, Nathan and Chris. Thanks for having us. So exciting to be here. (laughs) I love having you on the podcast. And who's going to give me an elevator picture of Nerd Herd Kitty Litter Book 5? Can you believe it's Book 5? I'll do my best. We So, yes, Book 5. The Nerd Herd is uh, set in a petting zoo. It is a little barnyard romp with all these wonderful characters. We've got Barnabas, Shamalama Ding Dong, and Billy the Kid are our main characters. Uh, each book, they're, they're kind of the bottom of the pecking order. They always have been, but they have these aspirations to to be, you know, top of the pecking order. And so each book is a different um, sort of threat. And so Plus Size Puss um, has always been on the scene, but she, at the end of, um, spoiler alert, at the end of book four, she gave birth to a litter of kittens. Um, so there are five, five of them. We've got um, Posh Kitty, Baby Kitty, Scary Kitty, Sporty Kitty and Ginger Kitty. And they are, um, they're up to no good, let's just say. So we'll see what happens. I love that. And that's really appealing to the, uh, the older audience, I guess, who remembers the Spice Girls. That's right. <laughs> These are the sort of books I imagine that, you know, parents enjoy reading. Yeah. So, Nathan, I've got to ask you, who was your favourite Spice Girl back in the day? Very strangely, it was Sporty. Sporty Spice. strange because I, I, I was of the anti-sport committee in my school. So I don't know what happened there. Uh, so we're moving on to our next guest. We've got a few people on the screen today. Welcome Scott Stewart, author of best-selling titles, My Shadow is Pink. He's here celebrating the book release of Brain Is Not Always Right. I just adore this title, also published by Scholastic. Hit me with an elevator pitch. Scott? Danny B. Uh, so heart loves puppies, loves chocolate, loves all things fun. Brain does not. Brain loves lists and broccoli and safety rails and very sensible clothing. And in this book, Brain needs to learn to maybe sometimes listen to heart because just maybe Brain is not always right, even though it still thinks it is. <laughs> I love that a lot. And when you said chocolate, you're going to have to go with heart, right? 
I absolutely yes you already know that I consume about a kilogram of chocolate a day so I am very much a heart person but I think it sounds like brain might keep us alive though you know the whole broccoli sort of business well that's touche but uh, you know, it's, which it's one's more important you it's know, a balance chocolate things or you know important things <laughs> or broccoli yeah, yeah. You've, you've made you've made a great point um, exactly definitely yeah. coming back to that uh next on our guest list this evening is christy byrne author of the wednesday weeks series celebrating her february release susie urbanak volcano hunter and stem warrior published by wild dingo press this sounds super exciting tell us about this one it's my second title with wild dingo uh and and this one is about somebody that i met about five or six years ago susie urbanak she's a teacher she's a um, a geologist and i first met her i walked into her classroom at my local high school to interview her for a for a newspaper article and she just won the prime minister's prize for teaching science and her whole classroom was like not quiet it, it, there was that you know the buzz you get when everybody's working really hard on something that beautiful feeling that was it and they were full of like year 10s and they were all working their own projects really intensely and i thought wow this woman's brilliant so um if you don't know the Aussie STEM stars series they're a biography written in narrative form and lots and lots of Aussie authors have written them so they go from childhood right through to the career of the person so you can kind of see like what makes this person tick how did this person end up where they are today and Susie like uh she's got bright pink hair does the splits uh she calls a spade a spade like she's a really interesting vibrant person and it's a really interesting vibrant book so yeah I can't wait for people to read it she's she's a fascinating person wow I love that I love that sounds really exciting sound like you were describing yourself there for a minute <laughs> Must well, be honest. it's funny because like yeah we we paired up really well we paired up really I can't do the splits <laughs> now, <laughs> now, now I'm disappointed right <laughs> Christy, I'm pretty sure that you said before you can put you can do anything you put your mind to. So next time we speak, I want you to be working on the splits. <laughs> I've worked on it. I just can't do it. I think I think we've also said that you shouldn't only enjoy the things you're good at. Exactly. So. <laughs> you got me. You got me. <laughs> next on our star-studded guest list is Zanny Louise, author of the Humankind series with her new release middle grade novel Queenie in Seven Moves, published by Walker Books and Double Up Here, picture book This Is Love, published by Firm. Welcome, Zanny. Oh, thanks, Danny. So lovely to be back on the podcast. It's lovely to have you back as always. So hit me with two elevator pitches. You get the double-double. Oh, I do. And the double, double, double pressure as well. <laughs> so uh, the first, yeah, is a middle grade. It's my first middle grade. Uh, so it's Quinny in Seven Moves. Uh, it's published by Walker Books. And I wrote this one during the pandemic, during the epicenter of the pandemic, because uh, our family, like a lot of other local families in regional areas, had been affected by the housing crisis or insecure housing because all these people were rushing to move out of the city into country, beautiful towns and, you know, seaside locations like ours. And all the local people were suddenly like, ah, where do we go? Where do we live? Um, so we were caught up in this turmoil and fortunately had a bunch of really lovely friends through our local community who were able to house us over a period of six months in various one bedroom, you know, shed kind of accommodation 
conversations. Mm -hmm. But it was a really cool period because we were reading a lot. I was writing a lot. We were unsettled, but it was also kind of a vibrant time in many ways and a time to be close to people as well. So anyway, for whatever reason, driving around a corner one day, this story just unraveled in my head. I went home, called my writing buddy Kia, told her the synopsis and she's like, yep, write that one. And I wrote it and it just was the first time I kind of found my voice, I think, for this sort of writing. So for me, this was a really big breakthrough. And so Queenie's this girl who's, she's a musician, she loves to write songs and her time of insecure housing is actually a really creative time for her as well. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm very excited about this book and it's getting lovely reviews and People are saying, you know, things like warm, feel good, that kind of thing, which is exactly what I hope. So I'm very, very happy about that. Yeah, <laughs> um, and thanks, Danny. Uh, matching cover wise is This Is Love. So this is a picture book, totally different kind of book. Uh, it's published by a firm. So my first title with a firm. Uh, it's illustrated by Sasha Haddad. So it's it's also very warm, very heartfelt, out just in time for Valentine's Day. Uh, so this is a poem about love, celebrating love. So it's it's all feel good. There's no tension. There's no stakes. <laughs> it's just feel good. But there is a tattoo shop in the picture. So I, I Fantastic. think. Yeah, like it. <laughs> so what tattoo are you getting on Valentine's Day, Zanny? I do. I'm not getting one on Valentine's Day, but I did get one a couple of weeks ago in Amsterdam, actually. So Ooh. that was kind of exciting. Yeah. Very cool. A can you tell us? Yeah. A pot of flowers. I was going to say, can you tell us what you got? A pot of flowers. Lovely. I want to see it later. Maybe now's not the right time. <laughs> well, it's a teacup of flowers. Yeah. Lovely. It's beautiful. <laughs> and uh, to, now we have a guest who has never been on the podcast before. This is a special moment. So Chrissy Krebs, author, illustrator of This is a Circle celebrating her new release i have a hat published by scholastic welcome first oh thank you for having me very much danny and a hi to everyone else out there i'm i'm a newbie on this uh podcast so everybody else seems to be all having banter and i'm like oh i don't know what to say what to do (laughs) just jump in (laughs) just jump in if you want to say something we're all good what's your elevator pitch uh i am a cat and I have a hat are the two from the Mac and Cheese um, uh, series, which is coming out through uh, Scholastic. And um, it is basically about um, two fur brothers from another mother, um, a cat and a dog that live together. And um, just like siblings, you know, they love each other, but they get annoyed with each other too. And that's the band that they have with each other that uh, causes some interesting scenarios, I guess, to to come up and uh, play out. And so, uh, yeah, it's aimed at kids uh, about uh, from five to nine years old. So it's just getting out of picture books and uh, kids that are starting to uh, perhaps read on their own or with um, a, a special adult. And um, so, yeah, it's all about um, relationships and about uh, communication and differences uh, that uh, we all have and but we can all kind of come together and, and work out in the end. Fantastic. What important books we have amongst us. Thank you for that. And thank you for being our new guest. What's your elevator pitch, Danny? Oh, okay. Well, 
Okay, I don't know why I feel so weird about this. Um, it's about a dad who is optimistic and engaged and fun and adventurous, but the world is against him. So lots of bad things happen. He gets chased by a wild boar. There's a snake. There's a fox who steals their snake, their steak. There's a campfire. Everything that possibly could <laughs> go wrong goes wrong. And um, which kind of reflected my life recently when I came back from camping and a rat got stuck in my engine and my engine blew up. So I, it was like oh I was riding God. for the future. You know, it was like I was a crystal ball and I was riding for the future. So instead. <laughs> Unlucky dad, it was unlucky wow. daddy. <laughs> so. Did you say a rat got stuck yeah. in your engine? I did say that. And apparently in Bega, um, that happens all the time. So the NRMA came <laughs> and pulled out my fan belt, which was like string, and there was a dead massive rat wrapped <laughs> up like a mummy in my fan oh. belt. Yeah, and I was stuck in the middle of Bega on a very uh, – very isolated road with my two children. Um, needless to say, I was not coping well. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, with a car that wasn't going to be fixed for three days. So, in bigger, you would have been near cheese, though. So, that's good. Hence the rat, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's so clear. It writes itself. Yeah. <laughs> Better than a live rat in the car. Well, it, it had to be alive at one point, right? Until <laughs> I started the engine. Anyway, I, I digress. Getting back to the interview, um, I want to go back to Nathan and Chris. This is book. Hey, hang oh, on, we didn't oh. get to ask you a question. Oh. So, Danny, what led you? What led you um, to choose camping as the first in your epic dad series? Are you are you a camper from way back? I am not a camper from way back, Christy. The first camping trip I went on was about a couple of weeks ago with the whole rat incident and I'd only been when I was a kid and so I did a lot of watching YouTube camping fails because I know my kids have always wanted to go camping but I was one of those people I'm like I don't have a tent I do have a tent now everyone um so yeah I thought camping I think there's a lot of fails in there so I, I watched endless YouTube clips um hours of my life I'll never get back about what could go wrong in camping all I had to do though was actually go camping and I would have figured it out myself <laughs> <laughs> thank you christy thank you very much for your question <laughs> i think you just need to do more camping like fewer rats more camping well, did, you, did you feel good at the end of the camping no i felt good when i was camping like i loved it like it's no secret that i'm a bit of an anxious human and i was like oh my god i feel so relaxed anxiety is not here <laughs> And then the rat happened, like it ruined everything. <laughs> I think technically the rat was after the camping, right? It that was, was on the it return was, journey. But so. I was so relaxed. And then five seconds later, I was back to my normal anxious thing. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> really? So I do have to go back. I think I've starved myself of nature. Um, getting back to Nathan and Chris, I want to know five books amazing obviously hugely popular series but i want to know for both of you writer and illustrator the challenges of writing a series writing five books trying to stay original fresh with the same characters how do you do it let's start with chris well i mean keeping it fresh is is really um nathan's uh, job really to come up with with new and exciting storylines um for these characters to uh to embark on uh, and for me i get to do new characters each time so really that's the fun bit the the um i like the familiarity of of being with us with a series because you 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 grow to love these characters so by the time you get to book five 
you know what their personalities are going to be, you know what expressions they're going to be pulling in the background, you know, when somebody else is talking, you know how they're going to interact with each other. And when you introduce new characters into the fold, like the, the kittens and kitty litter, you just know that chaos is going to um, reign supreme. And it's just really good fun just to put all those characters that you've really honed down after five books. Because your approach changes after a while, even in, through the course of one book, you might end up drawing the characters slightly differently than you did when you started the first page. At least I do. They kind of evolve. Um, so it's really good to have that comfort of revisiting old friends and you get to draw them and you get to spend some time with them, but then you get to throw them into all these other these situations that uh, Nathan cooks up. <laughs> and as an illustrator, I know the story's written, but, you know, I know usually illustrators then tell a kind of a an extra story, you know, so you've got, you're following the mm. story, but then you put all those extra bits in. Is that really fun for you? Yes, yes, absolutely. And, th and there's even some characters as well, which sort of have little cameos from, from past books. There was a little rabbit that appeared in, in the third book in Outfoxed. And um, I asked Nathan to write a story about rabbit and i think he tried but he didn't quite get over the line did it the the rabbit character so as a little bit of a protest i keep putting the little rabbit in the background <laughs> <laughs> of, all the, of subsequent books I, so he's there sometimes yeah. you can you can find him i did I my best it. chris i did i i actually wrote i, I think it, it was book four i was going really really well with the books and so to answer your question as well danny so i'd never written a series before and but in in the setup of this book, there were so many characters sort of in the periphery. So I kind of knew the world and this idea that of those characters that we introduced, most of them in book one, that I would be using a like focus on one in each book. So it meant that there's so much story material there. Really, up mm. until book five, I you know there were still characters we haven't properly explored. And then for each book, we kind of add in, you know, maybe one or two additional that would support the story. So that was really fun. But with book four, I, I don't know what happened to my brain because up until then, um, Scholastic just completely trusted me. <laughs> I've lost their trust since because they, <laughs> I, I would just, I'd hand in the manuscript. They'd be like, it's great. We love it. And for book four, for some reason, I, I took Apocalypse Now or Heart of Darkness and Animal Farm and created this really dark story about sounds kids. great to me yeah yeah it was fun. <laughs> and my wife my wife is my first reader and she read this one and she said I love it it's the best one so far and so she's usually on the money so I'm like great I'm gonna send it and I sent it and this time it was a, a long time before they got back they're like don't be upset but you have to rewrite the whole thing oh so, ouch and that and that had the rabbit in a really significant role so then in the, the subsequent rewrite and from now on so with with all of my books with Scholastic now with series I have to write a synopsis of the next book so we don't have another Heart of Darkness incident for kids I, I still think there's room for this Heart of Darkness animal farm yeah um, yeah well maybe there should be an, an adult spin-off <laughs> <laughs> I'd, right. I'd definitely yeah. read it for sure yeah, it could be the underground novel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I love that. The, so, under, the under the counter book. <laughs> yes, and you have to have a secret password, you know, to get it. Mm. Um, I just want to ask as well. Um, you know, you said you'd never written a series before, Nathan. And so, what advice would you give to writers who maybe are starting a series or thinking about a series? Besides the synopsises, you have to give Scholastic now. <laughs> What what do you need to think about? Because I'm assuming you need to think about an a, an arc for a book, but then 
numerous books as well. And actually, my, my training is in um, film writing. And so I'd, I'd studied it at AFTA's, the film school, and I've been doing a lot of um, TV writing. And so for me, that idea of the, the arc per episode, but an, an overarching sort of thing was really challenging at first because in when you write, uh, my previous books had been standalone novels and we had the, the beautiful arc happening, the characters made such transformation by the end, you just, where would you go from there? And they're the sort of stories that I preferred writing. So this... Um, it's in a, in a way, it's kind of like a sitcom structure in that the characters um, that there is change. I think there's um, and at the end of this book particularly, there's this really warm moment between them where most people who read it kind of go, ah, oh, because you know these characters, you've really grown to love them, um, and so you do see the change in them. But it's kind of it's a bit subtle, and so at each book you come back to that ground zero thing of they've still got this major problem thing happening but the big advice that I would give is because with Bad Grammar my second book I'd always planned that to be a series of a different type where because it's set at this boarding school and each book would be a different boy and how they got to the school sort of thing but but with a book like with these books it's it you go into the first book knowing that it's a series and so you've um, already got a few in the line and so that's a great thing whereas if you go in thinking yeah everyone's going to want that sequel and but you don't know how the book's going to sell it's a much harder sell a year yeah. on to try to get your publisher on board with this idea of yours so it's certainly if if you think it's going to be a series it's good to go in with the first few at least plotted out so this is how it works as a series to show them and so we with um, Nerdhood, I had the first two pretty much done when Scholastic signed on. So they could see how, how it was going to work. Mm, love it. Thank you. Chris, any hot tips? For creating a, a series? Yeah, because you, you're a series legend, right? School of Monsters. Mm, yeah, School of Monsters um, uh, and, and Zooniverse and uh, Crossbones, isn't it? And uh, are we allowed to say, Nathan, we, we are working on another yeah, I think well, we can. I think it's. I, 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 think I think we can say that. I think you yeah. just said it, actually. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> um, I think appeal is is a word that gets thrown around quite a lot in in illustrator circles, and if your characters are appealing, that that's going to make people want to come back. So I've always um, tried my best to to make my characters as visually appealing as possible. And that comes down to the to even the front cover and having them sort of outward facing and engaging and um, just make it look and them look friendly because, I mean, you can do dark, scary books, of course, um, but the, the area that I'm in is bright, fun, bubbly, funny kids' books. So to make them as, as, as warm and in, inviting as possible and in sort of engage the the potential reader and invite them, coax them into picking up that book off the shelf. And if you can do that in on the first book of the series, then hopefully more will follow. Mm, love it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for all that insight. Scott Stewart, you are now in the hot seat. Hot seat. I love the idea of brain is not always right. It's a great reminder. I did watch a story of yours on Instagram, you know, saying that, you know, you're inspired by the thought that you may never become a published author. So tell us about that, all the inspiration for brain is not always right. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, uh, since I was a, like, eight years old I always wanted to be an author and like any good author slash procrastinator I wrote my first story at 30 years old um and 
you know, I, uh, I kind of had this idea that just maybe like it was a little bit too late, which is ridiculous because 30 is like unbelievably young. Baby. Um, but I, I know. And I just wasn't sure if, uh, like, I didn't, I didn't know where to start. I wasn't sure if, if I'd ever like get anything published. I thought I would only ever, like, I knew that I would at least self-publish something, but I didn't think I'd ever really you um get to traditional publishing or even sell more than you know three to my mum dad and brother and my brother wasn't buying anyway you know um (laughs) and so you know this was just kind of going on in my brain um but at the same time you know in my heart I just really really loved telling stories I loved writing and I remember I wrote my first book and uh my wife said to me you know, do you think you're going to keep going? Like, what if it doesn't sell, you know? And I said, man, even if I never sell another book, I'm just going to keep writing because I just love doing it. You know, I love the process of it. And fortunately, that process, you know, a few books later got me to having a published book and, you know, then having a, you know, one that sold, sold okay, sold okay. And so I'm obviously an author. Um, and, <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and that's a little bit uh, humble to Scott. Sold, it just sold okay. Like it's in, you know, multiple languages. If we're talking about Shadow is Pink and sold many, many tens of thousands of copies. So it's done. It's done. Okay. Um, <laughs> really? Repeat the okay. really? Um, but you know, like we're, we're writing it as a TV series at the moment, which is cool. Um, but yeah, you know, I just never thought that I would, uh, be able to do this full time. I always thought I'd be in a job, you know, writing at 3am, you know, while everyone's asleep. Uh, and fortunately my heart turned out to be right, you know, rather than, you know, just my brain. So, you know, that's really where the book, uh, kind of came from. I was just kind of thinking of, of that and reflecting on that. And, um, yeah, here we are. It's written mm. and it's out. <laughs> I love the idea. You know, I think you said that you were just going to write anyway, cause you love it. And I actually think that any sort of creative, whether you're a painter or a writer or a singer or whatever, there's just this pull to do it. You know, even if you're busy or you don't think you're going to make a record deal or whatever, you, there's some pull in you that makes you just want to keep doing it no matter what. Was that how that felt? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's, like our generation or maybe it's just me but there's always this push to kind of like commercialize the stuff that you know we're doing you know uh like start a hobby okay like is there a side hustle in this you know um and um when it came to writing you know that was just it was something that I really tried to step away from and just say you know if nothing ever comes from this if nobody ever reads it you know except my mum, you know, uh, should I keep going? And I just love that. And I've done that recently with a few things, you know, I uh, have taken up painting again, um, which I haven't painted for a long time, um, you know, and just trying to do it completely, not thinking about response or if anybody would want to buy them or anything and just, you know, doing it for myself. And it's such a beautiful place uh, because I feel as though almost all our really, like the really good ideas come from when you're a bit more relaxed and the okay ideas come from, well, I need to pay my rent this month, so I better <laughs> write a new book, you know. Um, so when we can just relax and let go of that kind of outcome, I feel as though we create so much better. Mm, and I love that too, telling my kids that as well, you know, oh, what's the point of this, mum? I'm like, well, it's just for enjoyment. You don't need to win the race. You don't need to win the swimming carnival. That is the point because it's fun. That's right. That's <laughs> the point, to get wet and jump in the pool. Like, just do it. Is that what you want kids to take away or is there some other messages as well 
Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, I, you know, my, my son and a lot of, you know, his friends and one friend, you know, very specifically of his, you know, they kind of have uh, this brain that just kind of um, is always worried about things you know their brain is always thinking about what's the purpose of doing these things their brain is always thinking about you know just making sure everything is correct you know and then when you speak to them about wanting to do the thing that their brain is like saying no to you can see like bubbling under the surface just this like i i I want to do it but no my brain says no you know uh it's kind of like my my son, we were on a zip line going like what do you call it? like tree tree tops tree tops thing. yeah tree tops yeah. tree top walking stuff and there was this huge zip line and uh, you know he was really really scared to do it but you could also tell that he really wanted to do it at the same time you know and there's always kind of this moment you know as a parent do I push do I push them through the fear or do I say you know, like it's a good time to just accept the fear you know um and that time we pushed through and you could see just you know so much joy came out and then he went and did it 65 <laughs> more times <laughs> in a row but sometimes just pushing past those like intrusive thoughts those repetitive thoughts you know and listening to something else sometimes because we mm. are convinced that the thing in our brain is correct mm. you know? but oftentimes it's not at all you know so it's just kind of differentiating at those times and um maybe this could be a start to think about that yeah i absolutely relate to that it's exhausting sometimes listening to your brain i think and sometimes it's sometimes i feel exhausted like shush because it does keep you alive and i know anxiety comes goes back to us being cave people to keep us alive from the tigers but there are no tigers here in my house you know so there's something more dangerous one star (laughs) reviews If you haven't got a one star review, you, are you even a writer, Scott? Come on. This is true. <laughs> well, I love that. And I love that idea. Um, I love all of that and really encouraging our kids and not just kids because we forget to play as adults as well, you know, just to go and do that fun thing. You don't need a trophy at the end. The, the prize is the, you know, being present and, and enjoying that moment. Christy Byrne, it is your yeah. turn. And this yeah. is the most dangerous question I could ask you because you may go on for the next four hours. Why is STEM important? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, Susie's thing is not so much STEM, it's more STEAM. Ooh. So it's that science, tech, engineering, math, but also arts, Ooh. also creativity also um doing stuff just because it's fun so it really ties in scott to what you were saying like her whole approach to educating kids she doesn't call herself a teacher because a teacher stands and tells you what to learn she calls herself an educator and it's all about um, getting kids to love learning and getting kids to discover what they want to know and giving them the courage to try something knowing that they will fail like the splits that's you know like who the first time you do the splits you're going to fail and the second time you try the splits you're going to fail and it's just about getting comfortable with that like why does everything we do have to be so great all the time why can't we just be mediocre and have a good time you know like um and of course through embracing that she's she's not mediocre she's just been winning loads and loads of awards for her teaching and she's inspired so many people just because she encourages them 
to be themselves. So her kids um, are not necessarily good at exams, you know, her students, the people she teaches, they're not necessarily good at ticking boxes or jumping through hoops. And there's a story that I kind of link into that from when she was about, I don't know, year four, must have been younger, maybe year two, because they were learning, you know how you get your pen license and you're allowed to write in a, in a mm. proper pen? So she was at this very strict Catholic school and the nuns were walking up and down the aisles and the kids were attempting to draw perfect circles. And if you drew perfect identical circles, you were qualified to get your pen license. And uh, so everybody was being trained to draw perfect circles. And Susie didn't want to draw perfect circles. She tried, but they didn't work out perfect and they were a little bit different and squishy and some oval and, you know, what if you put eyes on one or what if you put a curly tail and, and and none of that was acceptable. All of that was wrong to be yourself or to try something or just not to be perfect in every way. So I feel like it's a, it's, I'm calling it a book for people who want to be their own kind of circle, who, mm. you know, like you don't have to tick the boxes and jump through the hoops. Susie didn't do any of that. She got in loads of trouble. There's an awesome chapter called Run from a Nun. (laughs) 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 And and that's basically what happens in the chapter. Um, And she can't remember the trouble that she got into. She must have got into loads (laughs) of trouble because she ended up like climbing out the window to escape (laughs) and, you know, jumping into the garden and running away. So she must have got in trouble, but she doesn't remember that. Like that that's not an important and and how she became who she is what's important is that she gave it a shot she ran for her life <laughs> she tried every window until she found it. those kind of stories you don't have to obey all the rules you can just be yourself and follow what you want to do and if you do that with authenticity people will respond so it's a beautiful book she's just a great person to work with i love so that. Was fiona wood it's if you get a chance if, if writers are listening if you get a chance to write for aussie stem stars take it up because everybody I know who writes for them, you get so close to the person write for, you have to think like them and and relive their childhood and think about how they felt and really put yourself into their shoes. So you become very, very close and it's such a, um, you know, their stories are inspiring. So Mm -hmm. to live that for that period of writing and creating is really, really a wonderful experience. So if you're thinking about pitching somebody for Aussie STEM stars, do it. It's really great. (laughs) I love that. And I love the idea of you have to have a little bit of rebel in you to be a trailblazer or to change the world. Do you agree with that? Well, I was on a panel recently at the Lit Centre Festival in Perth and we were talking about her story, the idea that, um, you know, like the, the women's, side of history is not often told and if you want to make history as a woman you have to be a rule breaker and you have to be a little bit naughty and I don't like that like what if you just want to be like what if Medi- you just mediocre. By the rules? what if you just want to be <laughs> mediocre yeah, exactly like why do I have to be hated or reviled or controversial? Why do I need to get, you know, people in my social media feed who say mean things? I don't want any of that. I hate that. I, I'm not ready for that. I just want to be posting <laughs> along, having a happy time, doing the things I want to do. I don't want to be, um, you know, controversial to make history. But I think anybody, any, especially any woman who does stand up and say something important is often... Uh, the centre of un, 
welcome attention as mm. well as welcome attention. No, I think you make an excellent point, actually. You know, we sort of say the rebel is kind of like a cool thing to do, but you're right. We should we should be able to make history in other ways as well. So very insightful, Christy. Thank you. Well, that's what you're doing with your podcast, right? You're just you're making history and changing the world by talking about books and it's beautiful. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Zanny Louise, tell me, Queenie is your first middle grade novel. How how did you go? What was your process? Tell us the challenges. Well, the first challenge I think was writing in middle grade in the first place because this is something I've been trying for years up until this this book came out. Uh, so I'd written um, uh, magical adventures and kind of funny comedy type things, and I so I'd had a few cracks at it before I wrote Queenie. And I think what I was kind of getting wrong, and and I don't want to use that because I agree with all the things you guys are talking about, Scott and Christy, that, you know, it's about process. It's not about right and wrong necessarily. But in all my experiments, uh, I was writing for what I thought kids would like, what I imagine kids might like. But I kind of neglected the fact of what I liked when I was 12, which was I was reading all those really realistic type books, contemporary middle grade, that kind of thing. And as soon as I was allowed to read adult, you know, contemporary fiction, that's what I leapt to. So I read a book uh, by Julie Murphy. It's called Sweet Pea. It's a middle grade. She writes YAs like Dumplin' and Puddin', which are really fun. And, and I realized you could actually write a middle grade like this. So I got really excited at that time going, hang on, you can write middle grade like this? What have I been doing all this time? This is what I love. So when this idea to do with the insecure housing came about, um, I just wrote in that way that I think 12-year-old Annie would have loved to have read and what I love to read now. So it's it's sort of warm kind of not comedy comedy but a little bit light Um definitely contemporary there's no magic <laughs> there's no wild adventure there's you know there is some tension brought about by everyday life type of situations but you know it's within the realms of what could actually happen and and I just relaxed into it so much and I just wrote for myself I think and I had so much fun writing it so it was about letting go of those expectations of what you think you should write what you think should be good and just trusting your gut instinct so everything Scott was saying before totally resonates with this process I sat on a couch and wrote until I finished basically wow. <laughs> um, I, I I didn't read anything yeah <laughs> I didn't read anything else I didn't watch anything else I didn't uh try and write anything else I was I cancelled all my other appointments I just got into this full-on zone and I've heard other creative people talk about that before but it was yeah it was it was a place where you just had to completely trust your intuition and when I read it back I was like oh yeah this is a book I would like myself to read so I think that's really important is learning to listen to yourself and and not writing for a market I didn't even write I didn't write it to be published or anything like that just writing for the joy of writing following the story and and I found myself dreaming about it at night so I'd have like little dreams about the characters my mind I just created a vacuum I think for this story and and that really worked for me following your heart I think that's a theme this has become the theme <laughs> of this podcast this episode <laughs> and I know you have a number of picture books what do you love about writing picture books because it's a it's a totally different process but it's a fabulous process what do you love about it totally totally different um look all my picture books are so different so you know I, I love different things about it um 
So I think, well, This Is Love is a poem. So it's more of a poem than anything else. So, you know, it kind of wrote it in my head whilst in a bookshop and just sort of kept going with the poem in in a similar way to writing The Middle Grade, except I suppose it it happens over a period of months sometimes, you know, there's a line pops up here one week and another line pops up there another week. Um, in some ways I find picture books harder, uh, stumbling upon the right story or finding the right way of telling it. I think with um, This Is Love, like it's 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 more an, of an idea than a story. There's no story at all. So it's a lot to do with the cadence and the tone and the words themselves. So I just play around with the rhythm of it in my mind. But in terms of what I love about picture books generally, it's the, I suppose it's that um, it's kind of one of my favorite art forms in a way, like when you, you know, you, you sit down with a child and they're pouring over the images and they're lost in all the little details that the illustrator has given them. Uh, at the same time, there's this kind of music happening. Like it's, it's, it's a really fab, fabulous kind of art experience for the child and the adult alike. So I try and um, immerse myself in the, it, myself world of picture books as often as possible just to kind of tap into that space and get lost in it but again I never try and think I have to write a story about this I just let the story come in whatever form it takes and hence I've ended up with lots of different types of stories and different types of books because I'm led by that rather than the other way around. Mm, I love all of that and I love the way you've described the picture books because I always think picture books become a memory you know they're the ones you do read to your kids at night and over and over and over again so I know when I pick up the picture books that I read my kids it's like oh I remember that time you know when they were <laughs> two or whatever and I was reading continuously it, to it them. doesn't and I think it also becomes like part of your actual yeah like a memory but yeah. part of your physical DNA as well or you can't create DNA I suppose but you know it becomes part of your physicality and if you ever pick up a picture book you read a lot as a child now and I find I can I can smell the carpet where I was when I was four or I can remember all the little details around me. So it's just such a powerful way of tapping back into that little version of you, you know, who you were at four. I think it's really amazing. Mm, I love that. I love that a lot. Now, Chrissy, last but definitely not least, I want to know what you love about writing for children. There's something on your website about how much you love, you know, being that child when you're writing. So tell me about that. Oh, it's um I've always wanted to to to, to actually to be honest with you I, I I love writing but my real um my real uh, thing was drawing and basically I got into writing and illustrating picture books because I just wanted to draw the pictures uh so I needed an excuse to actually um create a story and so I started writing the stories as well all I really wanted to do was to be an illustrator and I remember as a child you know I would be at my desk at school and I'd get like a, a lineup of kids wanting to have a particular picture that I had to actually draw for them and then they would color in it was like a almost like a factory kind of uh thing going on and so um I always knew that it was what I wanted to do um, and I, I loved creating things that never existed before and I still kind of get a kick out of it now, whereas like creating a character and um, creating, you know, scenarios. And so it's always something that um, has always been, I don't know, in my DNA. Um, yeah, pretty much. 
I love that. So I guess when you are writing a story, are you led by images, idea? What are you led by? The words come last? God, that's really hard now that I have to put it into words. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm a real illustrator. <laughs> um, not so much a wordsmith. Um, I, I have to say the images do come first for me, which is really hard. It's a bit of a... Uh, it's almost, uh, yeah, I do things backwards. Um, so basically, you know, I get the images in my head um, and and then it's trying to actually uh, verbalise it, which is uh, which takes a long time to do sometimes. However, when I was writing these Mac and Cheese books, they came really, really easily, the words, because I'm a huge fan of Mo Williams and, and Elephant Piggy. I mean, the, the banter within those books is great and um, I did a um, screenwriting course as well and I just thought you know I just would love to have a more Australian version of, of Elephant and Piggy um, in a way and um, so it, it actually the actual stories that I wrote for, for Mac and Cheese they only really took me sometimes a day to write um and um obviously editing and all that type, type of stuff does take a little bit bit longer but um the initial writing of the story just came very easily to me and um so i know i knew that i was onto something when um, the stories came so so easily and it was so much fun um so I guess it's really like what everybody else has been saying on on this podcast. It's like you, you need to follow your heart, um, and when something doesn't feel right when, when when you're doing it, maybe you need to kind of take a little bit of a step back. I know that um, writing picture books for me, I got into this, and a lot of people do, especially when they're starting out. They think they have to rhyme everything. Uh, they think that a story isn't that clever. Um, if if it's not rhymed and um and so I was good at rhyming and and you'll notice that my first couple of picture books that I actually wrote and illustrated are actually rhyming ones but my editor so tactfully said to me one day um would you ever think about writing in prose and I just found that really like daunting because you know obviously a picture book is what 300 500 words and, you know, every word is so important, but uh, I think that simple stories and, and simple wording is sometimes the best way to go um, instead of trying to be so convoluted with, with rhyming and and sometimes things just don't don't feel right when it's in rhyme and it's not spoken yeah. well. And hmm. so it, it's one of those kind of uh, things where you have to... Um, uh, break it down sometimes and, and maybe even try writing in rhyme if, if you if feel compelled to but also writing it in prose as well the same story and seeing you know if both kind of yeah uh, sit well absolutely I totally agree with that and um I think I think you have to let the story you know tell you what it wants and I think you do we have to follow our heart and our intuition just as this whole episode has been saying and the story kind of knows what it wants to do you know my publisher said write epic dad in prose and I tried and it wasn't funny and I'm like I'm not even funny close in prose so I tried it in rhyme I said oh here's the prose you wanted <laughs> it was in rhyme <laughs> um, so because the story kind of needed it you know so I think you're absolutely right yeah. when you talk about um the heart and the intuition and I just love how this conversation has got taken us down this path 
Thank you so much for your time. It's just a real honour to have such amazingly talented, passionate, warm, amazing people who just really want to change the world with the books they write for kids on the screen here. So I feel very privileged to have you all on here at once. February releases, people. My advice is to go out and buy each of our books for your friends, everyone. Buy them for everyone or just buy them from your library and borrow them from your library because that's important too to support our libraries. Uh, so thank you so much, everyone, for being here and telling us your stories and um, just being really honest and vulnerable and amazing. Thanks, Danny. Thank you. <laughs>